You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. The last five weeks we've been in this series, uh, One Big Story, right? And it's a series that's been kind of syncing up with the children's ministry so that those of you in here who have little kids in the children's ministry can be um, knowing a little bit better what they're being taught and it helps make the conversation um, even a little smoother at home and they give you all kinds of cool resources. And so what you're learning on Sunday morning is gonna be in sync with what your kids are learning at an age appropriate level. And so we're gonna kind of just by way of recap zip through what we've covered so far. We're, uh, this is an overarching, broad strokes look at God's overall story, kind of the narrative of a good God that's redeeming his people into relationship with himself. And we started off uh, several weeks back with Genesis, and we learned that God is good, right? And that we have a good God, and God made you what? Come on, yeah. God made you very good. And then we learned that there were some other voices that came into the garden that were speaking some things to people that were contrary to the word of God. And when people listen to those voices and actually act on them, that that's where sin comes into play. And with that comes shame and guilt and regret and mess, right? And then we sort of fast forwarded in the story and we learned about a guy that um, God saw a guy that really trusted him and was willing to follow him no matter what. And that guy was Abraham. And we saw that through Abraham, God made a promise to him that he was going to bless him and all of his family and all of the people of the earth through Abraham's family through this promise. And then we started to kind of fast forward a little bit in the story, and we looked at this big cycle of things that happened last week with Aaron, and we looked at how God's people can start to get off track, and they they stray from God, and they start to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, and with that came this cycle of judges where we learned about how God's people get off track, they, they stray from God, they sin, they are uh, in oppression and in struggles, they cry out to God and then God raises up a judge for them and this judge helps lead them and guide them to freedom and then they're back in this season of peace with God. And we learn about this cycle that it's not, uh, it's not about a cycle of how people sin. What this cycle is about and what it should re- uh, reveal to us and remind us of is God's unbelievable, limitless, relentless, amazing patience with the people that he loves. That he is a hang in there with us, God, to the very end, and will go to great lengths to help us get back on track with him. That's the picture in this cycle. And I know a lot of us last week when we were in the sermon and Aaron was going through this, there was a lot of light bulbs going off and a lot of people really feeling like they could kind of self-identify that this cycle really does sort of look like the cycle of our lives sometimes. And I know in our home group discussion, a lot of us could really relate to ourselves personally at different spots, you know, like, yeah, I really feel like three o'clock or six o'clock or I'm here, I'm there. And we could kind of self-identify where we're at in that process with God. So here's the question I have for you this morning. Is it possible for us to live our lives in a way where we are not on that cycle constantly? where we could actually camp out in that continual peace with God. Like, is it possible 
to live continually in peace with God. Here's the cool thing. I'm here to tell you it's possible. It really is. It really is possible. And we're going to kind of fast forward this morning and take a look at something that um, Jesus is going to help us understand what that looks like. We're going to zip forward in God's story to a great sermon that Jesus preached and talked about with, his, with a, a, a huge group of people. And we're going to look at one chunk of it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to actually break that down this summer in detail, in depth, and we're going to go through it. And so it'll be a really cool series to make sure you don't miss out on. But we're going to today just camp out on the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the cool thing about this is we're going to get into one of the best parables. Okay, let me back up. We're going to get into the best parable ever because it's a builder parable. It's about wood and nails and cement, stuff I can understand. We're not talking about sheep and goats and soil and seeds and, sorry, farmers. But I don't farm. I don't, I'm just kidding. So maybe it's not the best parable, right? But it's the parable that I can really personally relate to. It makes a lot of sense to me with my background. And not only that, but it's a really brass tacks, straightforward, concrete, easy to understand parable. So in this parable, one of the things I want you to kind of look for is Jesus actually gives us the blueprint for how to live in peace continually with God, like how to not get on the crazy cycle, how to just camp out in peace with God. The blueprint for how to do that is in this story. Let's take a look at it together. Matthew 7, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So, super simple, right? You guys got it now. It's really easy. You want to get off the crazy cycle, live in peace continually with God, and just be like in the sweet zone of you and the God, the Father? It's easy. Just do what Jesus taught. Except it's not that easy, right? Like somehow it's a little more complicated than that. And it was complicated for God's people in the Old Testament time as well, where we looked at with the judges. Like they would get themselves in these pickles and cry out to God and God would raise up a judge and he would send them a judge and it says in his word that he was with the judge. And as long as the judge was alive, leading and guiding and directing God's people, they were good and they were on track worshiping the one true God. But when the judge would die in no time at all, they were back to their wicked ways and sometimes even more evil than their ancestors. They they would fall off the wagon so far. The cool thing for us today is that God did one better for us. He did one better than give us a judge. He gave us his son as the ultimate model and teacher to know how to be in relationship with him, to be in relationship with other people and to walk out our lives as real 
Christ followers. Like he gave us Jesus. And even better than that, one more, is he gave us the Holy Spirit. For those of us who will put our trust and faith in Christ as our Savior, God actually sends his spirit to walk with us daily through every circumstance and situation. It's pretty sweet. Jesus had this to say, John wrote it down in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, that helper is the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus asked God on our behalf to send us a helper, to not leave us hanging. So we have help to follow out what he teaches. Now here's the thing that's weird with a lot of people. A lot of people think that they're going to put their, tra- their uh, trust and faith in Christ and they're going to commit their life to him and, and, and get baptized and, and receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit and somehow, somehow they're going to like magically all of a sudden desire to do a whole bunch of stuff that they've never done before or never cared about before. Like they're getting the magic Holy Spirit and that they never really were interested in reading the Bible before and maybe couldn't even remember if there was one in their house, but the next day after they get saved, somehow they think they're supposed to just want to read their Bible. Like that desire will just pop up somehow. That they'll all of a sudden want to be in relationship with other Christians. That they'll want to get in real accountability with other people and it's something they've never done before. And when they don't do that, when that that feeling doesn't happen... They start to doubt their commitment. They start to doubt God. They start to doubt their salvation. Is this thing really real? And the problem is that's not how it works. That's not the way this salvation thing works. And it gets to the very heart of this house building parable that Jesus was talking about. He says, if you hear my words and what? Whoo. If you hear my words and what? Do them. Come on, everybody's got to say it. Do them. If you hear them and do them, then you're building your faith on a solid foundation that's going to stand up through the test of the storms and the struggles and the trials that are going to come in life. But if you hear the things that Jesus taught and you don't do them, you're building on a shaky foundation and your faith is going to be weak and wimpy and when tough, tough stuff comes, you're in trouble. And if you've been around church very long and you've known about Jesus very long, you've seen both of those, I'm sure. A lot of you know that I used to own a construction company in Montana before we moved here and uh, it was a real eye-opening experience for me in a lot of ways. I'd never owned a business before. I'd never had figured out employees and QuickBooks and bookkeeping. And like, there was a huge learning curve that I didn't even know I needed to learn like, after the fact. Um, so one of the things that was interesting one year is we were getting ready to do uh, W-2s and all this cool stuff I had to learn about that I didn't ever know that even was important before. And so apparently sending out W-2s to employees is important. And so my bookkeeper said we had to do it. So we're laying them all out. And we've got like close to 30 W-2s to send out. And I'm like going, something is wrong. Like, did you print triplicate? Like, does everybody get three copies? Or like, why is there so many? She's like, no, this is everybody that we had 
a paycheck for this year. And I'm like, there's no way. And so I sit down, I'm like, all right, let's go through them because something's not right. And so we start going through them and the first one we go through and I'm like, look at that guy. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that guy. He didn't even make it like a couple hours. Like, yep, okay, fine. Send him his $3 W-2, whatever, right? And then there's another guy. I'm like, we look at that guy and it's like, oh yeah, I remember him. He made it to lunch and then never showed back up after lunch. I remember that guy. And so it's like, send him his. And then we start looking at another guy. It's like, oh, there's another lunch guy. He made it to lunch and never came back. And then it's like, oh, here's another guy. I remember that guy. He made it overnight. He, he made it to the end of the first day and never showed up the next day. There was a couple of those. They're easy to forget. They made uh, zero impression. And then there's the guy that, that really was excited about roofing and said that he knew how to roof and stuff and showed up wearing like cowboy boots to do a tear off. And it was near death experience. He didn't make it, I don't think, past lunch. There's another guy that said he had all kinds of construction experience and talked a great game, and, and uh, the longer he was there, the quicker we realized he was deathly afraid of heights. He didn't last very long. <laughs> then there was a guy that talked a great game and said he had some experience and actually showed up and was like mediocrely okay and seemed like, whoo, this one might be, this might work out, right? Turns out he didn't like to drive in the snow. Guess what? In eastern Montana, that's only 70% of the year, right? Uh, so for the two months that he was available, that didn't work out. And on and on it went, right? We just cycled through, and I'm looking at all these W-2s going, ah, we really did have that many people. Like, like we normally had like seven full-time employees. It took like 30 people to get seven. I'm going, for real? And what I learned is that there's a lot of people that want a job, and there's a lot of people that say they want to learn construction. But there's really actually not a lot of people that want to do what you teach them to do. Many were happy to argue with me and tell me how to do it, like they knew a better way than I knew. Many were happy to look me in the face and say, yep, and I'd say, do you get it? Do you know what you're doing? You're lined out, you got it. Yep, I got it, I got it, I got it. And you'd walk away and they had no idea what they're doing. I said square, they thought I meant trapezoid. And so like that didn't work out very well. A lot of people would say, yep, I get it, I get it. And I'm like, you know, like if nothing else, if you're ever not sure what to do, grab a broom. Like we are in a shop full of sawdust. Never see me see you standing around. Like just clean and show me that you want to be here. And you turn around and it's like they haven't moved three inches from the spot they were standing. There's like sloths running laps around them. Like they're just moving so slow. I'm like, ah. And as I was reflecting on that and thinking about this stuff, I just really wondered, like, how often does God have similar experiences? God looks at it and it's like, there's so many people that want to be a Christian. There's so many people that want to know him and say that they want to be a Christian. And so God is faithful and he sent his son and he, he introduces them to his son as the way to get to know him. And he says, this is the way, this is the model. He's the guy to look at and study and follow. Like, do what he did. And, and for those that put their trust in him, he's even like, I'll even give you a helper. And he's like, ready, go. And then I wonder how many times God like steps back three weeks later, a month or two later, a year later, and he kind of looks back and it's like, wow, you're exactly where I left you. You're doing the same things you did before you met me. Nothing's really changed. Huh. Something's a little amiss here. Like they don't actually 
want to do the things that Jesus taught, right? Like they like the idea of knowing about God. They like the idea, people like the idea of knowing about Jesus or even knowing some of what God's word says. But then there's this whole other part, like doing it, like doing what Jesus taught. Let's wrap our brains around a little bit. Let's think about some of the things that he taught. Like, just to scratch the surface. Jesus taught about loving your enemies. It's like, wow, what does that look like lived out? How do you actually do love your enemies? Not just know about it and be able to quote the verse, but be a doer of that. How do you do that? Jesus talked to wives, and he said that they're supposed to submit to their husbands. Like, okay, what does that look like? And how do you flesh that out? And how do, you, how do you understand that in a right way with your husband? And he talked to husbands and he said, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. If you're married, take a sigh, take a deep breath, and be like, I'm trying, Lord. Right? Ever been there? He says, live with your wives in an understanding way, which... It's one thing to know it. It's a whole nother thing to do it. Just ask my wife. He also said that husbands are supposed to like um, love their wives the way Christ loved the church so that we can sanctify her or set her apart for something special. And we're supposed to do that with this crazy idea of washing her with the water of the word. What is that? And how do you do it? Like, what would it look like for you to speak scripture over your wife or to read scripture or pray the Bible and verses over your wife or to read scripture with your wife so that you're actually like washing her and helping her be made clean with God's word so that she is set apart and sanctified for a special purpose? Like, how do you actually do that verse? He talks to children too and he says, children, this is, he keeps it simple for the kids. He says, children, Obey your father and mother. It is good. Right? Honor your parents. How do the kids, how do you do that? Sometimes you might think you're doing it. Other times you're totally off track. Like, how do you be a doer of that passage? He talks a ton about hypocrisy. Like, being clean on the outside, but a mess on the inside. Like, he's like, it doesn't really matter what you look like on the outside if your character and integrity is, is not like Jesus. How do you do integrity how do you be a doer of godly character what's that look like walked out like Jesus walked it out and so the thing I want you to kind of camp out on like to get this little slogan in your head is that it's like somewhat sort of like the moral of that parable if you're going to sum it up in a statement this builder parable it's this idea of like when in doubt act like Jesus, right? When in doubt, act like Jesus. Whatever your circumstance, even if you're not sure how to do it, do your best to act like Jesus. Whatever's going on in your life, with your marriage, with your boss, with your kids, with whatever, like learn to think, act like Jesus. John had this to say about Jesus. Let's take a look at this. He said, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, right? So we've all heard that saying, talk to talk or walk to walk. This is what, this is what John's saying about Jesus. He's saying, if you say you're a Christian, you should walk the walk. Like your walk, how you live, should look a lot like Jesus. Like if you say you know about God and you know about Jesus and you follow him, then it should actually look like in your actions that you follow him. Making sense? Yeah. He's like, it should look like you walk the walk. Aaron talked a lot last week about getting back on the path, like this idea of what does it look like to walk the walk with Jesus? And when we're off track, how do we get back on track? How do we get back on that path? with Jesus, walking the walk, having our faith line up, like our actions line up with what we say we believe. And Jeremiah had some great advice about how to find that path and how to get back on it. Take a look at what he said here. He said, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Here's the deal, that wisdom and advice is still really good advice for us today. When you find yourselves in a crossroads or at a spot where you really need to make a decision, you need to stop and, and just be in the habit of going, where is the path that Jesus would lead me on? Like if I was following Jesus out of this decision, which way would he go? And then go. Like actually, physically do in your life, not just know about it, learn about it, hear about it, think about it, pray about it, pray about it some more, pray about it some more, think about it some more, think about it some more, stand in the same place for three days, like actually get out there and do. Here's the cool thing about our God. Our God is a God that is so good and so full of grace and patience and mercy and compassion that he just loves helping people who try to follow him. One of my favorite things about God is that he's not a God that's looking for perfect people who can follow him perfectly. He's looking for faithful people that will actually just try. When we look all throughout the scriptures, there's list after list after list you could dream up or follow up of people in the scriptures who are awesome, God-following people that are like our, our, the heroes of our faith, and we could look to them, and every one of them, the cool thing about them, every one of them is faithful triers who messed up. They lied they totally went a different direction at times from God. They made really cruddy decisions that had horrible implications for other people around them. Sometimes they even straight denied that they even knew God. And yet they were faithful to continue to just get back on the path and try to follow God the best they knew how. And God was gracious and met them right where they were at and help them follow and stay on the path with him. That's the kind of God that we have. We have a good God that loves us, that wants to help us stay on the path, that is just dying for people to just step out in faith and try. 
And the awesome thing is, as you step out in faith and try, you just have to know that God will meet you there and help you walk it out. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know every next step. You just have to get out and try to put your faith into practice and do what Jesus did. That's how we build our house. That's how we build our faith on a solid foundation. We be doers of what Jesus taught. And when we do that, our faith will stand the test of time. And when life happens and hard stuff comes, we're going to be okay. We'll be okay. The thing for us that's so awesome is that God did send his son and he did show us the way and model for us and teach us and give us an example of what it looks like to be in relationship with the father. He did give us that. And it's really neat that every week we get an opportunity to take communion together as a family and remember what Jesus did for us, that he did come and live out the plans the father gave him and that he did cover the debt for our sin and that he did conquer death and that he did introduce us to God's spirit who would come and be with us and help us walk out our faith. We get to remember that each week. So we're going to do communion in just a minute. The buckets are going to go down the aisle here and they'll just pass them to the outside. Just drop your connection cards in those buckets or your tithing offering. And then the communion trays are going to come right after that. And if you're new with us at Real Life, we have what we call uh, open table. And that just means that anybody that wants to celebrate communion with us and celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is uh, absolutely welcome to have communion with us. And so when they pass out the elements, if you would hold on to them, and then in a couple minutes, we'll take communion together, okay? Now, Every week we do kind of implications, takeaway nuggets, things to help you kind of chew on and meditate on, maybe kind of roll their way into your devotions throughout the week, just like points, right? Last week, Aaron was trying to set a record, right? He went for five implications, which means I had to up the ante, right? Right? So I'm going 17. <laughs> Get your pins out. I hope they're full of ink. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm going to keep it simple. We're going two. You're welcome. They're in your notes, and they're going to be up on the screen. Let's take a look at them real quick. The first one, God gave us a clear model of what walking the path looks like in Jesus. God gave us a clear model of what walking the path looks like in Jesus. It sounds simple. When we look at it, it's not a real profound statement. It's like we can all just kind of nod our heads and go, yep, I get that. That's cool. He did that. But here's what really happens. In our life, we get in the muck, right? We get in the weeds, and we get junk surrounding us, and we get kind of away from this truth. And it's, it's like, yeah, I sort of remember it, but I haven't thought about it for a while, and it's not in the front of my brain. And, and I get in the stuck in the muck of my circumstances, and it's like, what am I going to do now? How do I get out of this situation, Lord? How do I, what's going on in my marriage? What's going on with my finances? My job thing right now is driving me insane. The court custody junk I've got going on with this, like you just get overwhelmed with your circumstances and where life has you and you forget 
that the way out of wherever you're at and back on the path with God is this. To just get your eyes back on Jesus and study him and go, where, what did it look like for him to be in relationship with the Father? What did it look like for him to be in relationship with the guys that he was close to? How did he react and respond to them? How did he handle difficult circumstances and situations? What did he do when people were against what he believed in and, and were vehemently opposed to him? How did he handle that? What did he write on Facebook? Right? We're quick to come up with our own solutions and we forget that the answer to our problems is to fix our eyes on Jesus and do what he did. Let's look at the next one. When in doubt, act like Jesus. When in doubt, act like Jesus. Back in the 90s, the popular thing was WWJD, you know, the what would Jesus do bracelets and peachy folders and hats and sweatbands and everything was WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? Like it's, cl it's cliche and it's cheesy, but it's like super, super awesomely true. Man, if that was the thing that honestly was like stamped on the inside of our eyelids and every time anywhere in life, no matter what was going on, we ran it through the what would Jesus do filter and then we did it, we would be blowing the world up with love for other people. Like it would be insane if we walked out the what would Jesus do thing for real. So this is our 2018 what would Jesus do. When in doubt, act like Jesus. Not sure what to do? Do what you think Jesus would do. Not sure how to handle something? What do you think Jesus would do? What do you think he would say? Like, that's the mantra to have in your heart. The cool thing is that we do get to know so much about Jesus because he was so faithful to live out the Father's plan for him and for us. And that he did walk out everything needed for us to have a model to see what it looks like to be in a relationship with his dad that we can look to him and he can show us the way out of all of our junk and that he did conquer death and that he did pay the price for our sins. And that's what's cool that we get to remember every week when we take communion. We remember that on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said, as often as you get together, let's eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same fashion, he took the cup and he said that this is the cup of the new covenant and it represents his blood shed for us. As often as we get together, let's drink this and remember to him. Let me pray for us and let's be on our week. God, we just love you so much. You're such a good God. I pray, Lord, just for each and every one of us here that you would just give us the confidence and the encouragement we need to step out in faith and be doers of your word in, in areas where each, each one of us, Lord, you're just working on us in different spots and in different scriptures that just really resonate with us and apply to our life and our circumstances. Lord, help us to, to dig into your word and to dig into what Jesus taught and then to get out and try doing it and just see and know that you're going to be right there with us, Lord encouraging us and having our back. God, you're a God that wants us to succeed, not, not looking out for when we're going to mess up. So we just love you, Lord, and we just thank you so much. Be with us this week. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, 
Visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com. 